All right, friends, we are back. Your favorite weekly podcast. This is Location Weekly. It's episode number 595, and we are recording on uh, November the 15th. So uh, hope you're well, um, and uh, it's getting colder, um, and the leaves are all off the trees and all of that. Baseball season's done. Um, but, you know, we got another good show for you. Uh, Brianna, how you doing? I am good. I'm great. Actually, I can't believe we're almost to 600 episodes and I can't believe it's the end of the year gearing up for our Thanksgiving and, you know, all the holiday stuff. It's like just comes too fast. Yeah, it does. It does. And uh, yeah, I think we're going to get our first taste of just some light snow overnight tonight uh, and it'll, it'll be gone by, you know, lunchtime tomorrow, but uh, <laughs> we're getting there we're getting there it's uh it's coming so anyhow um yeah so we have four stories for you this week as per usual some interesting things one to kick it off our brand is going to start us off with a local one for her um so let's do that all right well from now throughout december if you are in the new york area you can check out this uh really unique and engaging art exhibit this is at the Bone Playground in Flushing, Queens, and also at Columbus Park in Manhattan. So, um, you know, if you're in the city, go head over to Columbus Park, such a great area. You can find these banners that have these large Chinese red knots, which is like a hallmark of, of their cultural and, um, you know, there's different cultural districts that they're situated in. And so at the center of each of these posters, they have these really beautiful scenes that mix kind of these contemporary and traditional symbolism and the storytelling. And what's even cooler about it is you can really bring these posters to life. So there's a QR code at the bottom of the banner. And so if you scan it, the, the posters actually began, began to animate and, um, and really show these like kind of new takes on traditional stories. And the goal is really to just invite these, these residents and surrounding you know, neighborhoods or people who are passing by, tourists to engage with Chinese heritage and you know, see these immigrant narratives that they have and these like new modern interpretations um, of this folklore. So the series is called The Red String and the artist combo is called Lily and Hong Lee. And um, it's in support of More Art, which is a nonprofit and um, their, their mission is like producing these socially engaging uh, public art exhibits here in New York City. So, um, you know, I think part of this is like hopeful that this type of engagement and education and just learning about a new culture perhaps could uh, dispel some of the recent ri rise in these hate crimes that we've seen in the AAPI community, specifically here in New York. And, um, you know, I think this is really beautiful. I love, one, I love that it's just art. I was actually in, um, I was in Morningside uh, Heights, like I was in Harlem, you know, a couple weekends ago with my kids and they had all these beautiful like art posters and we were able to walk around and there wasn't necessarily a QR code or a way of engagement, but it's just nice to have that outside and be able to, you know, be in nature, but also be engaging. And, and um, it was a beautiful exhibit of people of Harlem and different neighborhoods, people who grew up there. And I love that this is something similar, right? So it's an areas that there is a, you know, a 
Chinatown, if you will. And it's definitely got a lot of culture and bringing all of those things together into life. I love the technology play of it as well. So it's definitely something I want to check out. It's called the Red String again. So if you are in those areas, um, you know, let us know how how you enjoy it. And I might try to get over there, um, you know, one weekend up here in December. But um, yeah, I think it's beautiful. Thoughts? Yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I love these kinds of things, especially when it's about kind of taking beauty and art and culture, you know, to the streets, right? It's not, you know, sort of locked up in a museum or gallery that, you, you know, you have to, you know, go and visit um, or, you know, in some cases buy a ticket to like it's free, right? You just hang out in the park and you, know, you see these beautiful red knot. Uh, banners, you scan the QR code, and then, you know, it's a great use case of augmented reality technology, which we've been talking about a lot here. Um, but I, I like that it's just, you know, it's just there at a street level. You know, I think the one thing just to sort of um, add, you know, to this, I, I think that it would be great if they had a way that once you sort of interacted with it and you visualized it from an AR point of view, that you could kind of share it on your social media or try to, you know, sort of draw more people to it um, and amplify it a little bit that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't have anything bad to say about this. I think it's it's always great when you can, you know, bring art to the streets. Um, you know, if, if you remember, there was uh, years ago, also in New York, uh, I can't remember the name of the project now, and I, I have a video of it somewhere. I'll try and dig it up. But, uh, uh, you know, that um, somebody had created these um, sort of uh, location-based sort of um, uh, rap songs uh, that were visualized on streets, you know, based on neighborhoods in New York um, and things like this. Um, you know, so same kind of concept, but audio um, as opposed to, you know, visual like this. And, and I think all of those things are, are great ways just to show that, you know, these neighborhoods are alive, they're vibrant, you know, there's a lot going on in them. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it, they're not just, um, you know, sort of bad areas that we should avoid. There, you know, there's there, there's beauty everywhere, and and you know, sort of exposing it in this way, I think, is is super interesting. Yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. On to our second story. So, kind of coming back to sort of tech now. Uh, so, uh, DoorDash, who has been on a flurry of partnership deals lately, has announced a, another new partnership with Wing, which is uh, Google's uh, drone delivery um, arm, uh, part of the Alphabet uh, group of companies. And so in Australia, um, they're testing uh, you know, delivery via drone uh, for DoorDash. Uh, so in parts of Queensland, Australia uh, is where they're kind of starting this. I know that I, I saw a video of it this week on the news where uh, it's, it's the first delivery happened. Um, and uh, I think it's interesting. I mean, we've we, obviously this, these technologies, drone drone technologies, have been around for a while. Uh, you know, and there are other sort of types of uh, automated delivery that we've seen out there, be it you know robots or or other kinds of you know things rolling around on streets or things like this. And I think one of the challenges with with drone delivery has always been, you know what can the drone carry, you know, what type of goods or item, you know, um, does it work for versus others that it, it, it doesn't. Um, and I think because historically, you know, it has to be something relatively sturdy. Um, you know, you're not going to, you know, carry a, 
you know, necessarily like a, you know, a beverage or something like that, you know, easily, or, you know, something that, you know, doesn't have a lot, any, any rigidity to it, or isn't in a box that, uh, you know, can, can really protect it well. So, you know, some foods are, are too delicate for that. Um, but I, but I think it's interesting. And, and so, you know, sandwiches or wings or, you know, things like that, I think, you know, could be, could be interesting. And, We'll, we'll see, right? I mean, I, I think it's one of those things, especially in dense urban markets, you know, where there's you know, a lot of traffic and, um, you know, uh, we're seeing more and more, at least in my neighborhood, we're seeing a lot. Like we have so many guys doing DoorDash or other similar services, you know, riding around on e-bikes and getting hit every day, <laughs> you know, by cars. Um, you know, it's... Uh, you know, I think something like this could be, could be a good alternative, right? So, you know, whether it's scalable, um, you know, and what that looks like and the costs with, you know, of drones versus, you know, people, you know, riding bike, you know, bicycles or other things doing deliveries, uh, you know, is yet to be seen, but I, I like that they're, they're testing this out, um, and, and experimenting with that and kind of, we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Any, any thoughts from you? No, I mean, we've seen this before, right? We've seen a lot of these tests happening. And I mean, I think that's the right place that we're supposed to be right now, right? We're testing, we're seeing what sticks, what will work. Um, and if I can get, you know, delivery French fries that aren't soggy, I am all for it. So yeah. <laughs> I yes. think that, um, there's a lot of things that we can do when it comes to like food delivery, getting it fresher. And so perhaps this is something that will work. I mean, I'm still very keen on the idea for drones for like medical purposes, um, you know, delivering medicine or just things that you might need really quickly. I think also in um, like for humanitarian aid, getting places that maybe cars cannot get very easily. There's great applications there. So I think we're just still in that phase where we're testing a lot of different things and seeing what will stick, what will work and, you know, what areas it will apply to. So. Yeah. And I think, you know, on that front, whether it's medicine or getting humanitarian aid, you know, like we've talked on the show a lot before about you know, companies like what three words and, you know, you know, sort of new addressing systems like that, where, you know, there's, there's maybe not a physical building, you know, with a normal postal code or zip code, um, you know, and, and, you know, having a drone be able to drop something into a makeshift property, let's say, or something like that, or, you know, a, a bush camp or, you know, whatever in the middle of Africa or whatever, I think is interesting, right? And I think that's where I see huge potential, um, like you say, and um, yeah, I mean, but we all want our McDonald's fries, you know, fresh and hot, don't we? <laughs> all right. Well, um, how would you like to go shopping without having to actually write a list um, down or have it on your phone and just be able to see it while you're walking through the grocery store? Well, this is exactly what a tech company called, I'm assuming they pronounce it Mojo Vision, even though, you know, as a, uh, as a Latina and, and Cuban woman, I would say like, I would say Mojo Vision, but <laughs> I don't think we're talking about the really delicious, you know, garlic and sour orange juice sauce here. So Mojo Vision, and they've developed this capability now where they can actually add Alexa shopping lists to smart contact lenses. So this is pretty insane. Like this is one of those out there stories. And, you know, I think further than we've we've gone before, we've, we've seen like the glasses with snap, you know, and, and, um, you know, others like with those 
you know, with AR lenses and everything, whenever you're putting that on your, your face, but this is like a whole nother thing, putting something in your eye as a contact lens, and it has this unique eye-based interface. So according to Mojo Vision, the, there was a recent test and it was the first major third-party consumer application on a smart contact lens. So this um, application basically combines eyes up technology and voice AI so that, you know, I can ask the, um, you know, the woman whose name I cannot say to add something to a shopping list. And then before I could be before the grocery trip while I'm actually, you know, in real time. And then I can access the list by with like my frame of vision while I'm walking down the aisle and check off items. I did not go into detail on how you would actually check the items off, um, but, you know, checking those items off while you put them in the cart. Um, so obviously it's hands-free, it's automatic. Um, there's years of research that have gone into this, a lot of uh, patents, you know, that have led to these prototype lenses and really the lens is like overlaying images, symbols, and text onto users' natural field of vision. So without obstructing their view or inhibiting um, social interaction. I mean, I think this is super cool. I'm not saying I would use it. I also have concerns about, you know, Alexa interaction or interface or anything in my eye, right? You know, <laughs> Amazon having access to my visual data would concern me. And I'm not saying they do, I have no idea. Um, but, you know, to me, I think this is really interesting, just like the hands-free idea. And, and we think of even, I always think of like the, this is outdated now almost, but like the heads up display when you were driving, right? And it would tell you yeah. how your speed or anything else. And it, and it was nice. Like, it's nice that you don't have to necessarily look somewhere else and it's right there while you're driving, you're not taking your eyes off the road. So I think there's something to this. Um, and, you know, it just makes me think like very much minority report, you know, seeing things kind of going through like what you're seeing maybe is not the same thing that your neighbor is seeing. Um, and so I don't know, I'm intrigued by it, but I wonder if, there would be mass adoption um, or use for it. But again, I do feel like there's great applications for this. Think of, um, you know, I'm, I'm a resident in training and I'm doing surgery or I'm in the operating room or, you know, perhaps I'm like, you know, trying to fix a car. I think that there's great application for this and not having to keep looking down at a screen um, or something like that. So very interesting maybe better applications than grocery lists. Thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah. So before I get to that, I, I mean, first of all, I think this is amazing technology and, you know, a great achievement in terms of, you know, advancing tech around this. And, you know, I, I concur with you. I mean, I, in my car, I have heads up display. I, I use it all the time. Like, I, uh, you know, if I've got Google Maps running in my car, um, I'm, you know, using directions, it's coming up in my heads up turn right now and do this, whatever, you know, all of that. And, and it's great to just be able to look forward and not have to look down or look elsewhere um, to see that. Uh, so that's, you know, that idea of kind of, you know, in your vision, um, you know, instructions or information, I think, you know, I'm fully bought into, you know, as somebody who wears contacts every day, uh, I guess my first question is, is that, you know, is this, you know, um, you know, prescription, you know, lens available 
um or is it limited to just like you know for people with with normal vision you know you kind of have to um you know you just pop these in and you can you can see these kinds of things so um you know i would certainly love to test it out and play around with it um and see kind of what what can be done with this so when, when it comes to the specific application of shopping lists yeah i mean you know, I don't know. I don't know that that's the the number one application for it. I think it's interesting. It's cool. I'd certainly try it. Uh, you know, when I go to the store and, and uh, you know, I do make lists on my phone and and uh, check things off. So so I am that user. Um, so I, I'm intrigued to to kind of see how it works, and certainly would be willing to give it a go. Um, I'm with you. I think. There are many other great applications for this, you know, the medical side of things and, um, you know, lots of other scenarios I, I can see as well. Um, you know, even, uh, and then there's there's a lot of potential, I think, for um, misuse of this too. Like I was, I was, I was in a conversation the other night uh, with um, some, uh, some uh, university professors and they were talking about the, uh, like how much cheating is going on right now on on tests and exams, and like, can you imagine popping these in with you know a whole bunch of information in in your vision, you know, uh, math problems, you know, and equations and and other things that you could you know just have in there, wow. um, yeah. <laughs> right? So I I think there's 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 a, a huge potential for this, um, and from a tech point of view, I'm all in. I think this is this is great advancement. Um, and, you know, I think the application they described with, with Amazon and Alexa, I think is, is interesting. I, I would love to try it. Um, so, uh, yeah, if you're listening, send me a pair, I'll, I'll pop it in, I'll give you a go and let you, let you know what I think, but, uh, it's, um, yeah, I, I think there's, there's a lot of applications for this. So we'll, uh, we'll see where it plays out. Yeah. One to watch for sure. Yeah. All right, on to our final story now. So jumping back into the retail world, uh, Ralph Lauren, uh, who we haven't talked about for a while, uh, has teamed up with Epic Games. Uh, and they are um, working on a Fortnite uh, experience. And so they are creating a first uh, for the retailer, a digital collection of apparel and accessories for Fortnite. Uh, all with the Ralph Lauren, you know, sort of branding and and all that comes with that. Uh, this is uh, being launched. Uh, it's already launched now as of November the 2nd. And uh, it's kind of interesting. So it's it's a collection inspired by what they call their stadium collection and their polo sport line from back in the 90s. Um, and uh, yeah, you can shop the collection, you know, sort of, you know, dress your avatars in Fortnite in Ralph Lauren, you know, polo sport uh, outfits and, and things like this. Uh, they've redesigned their iconic polo pony uh, for the first time in history uh, to, you know, for this partnership with Epic. Uh, they're promoting this uh, on a live stream, which happened last week on, on Twitch. Um, yeah, and it's it's they're they're hosting sort of this this tournament in in Fortnite uh, as well, which the the first luxury brand to do that. So I, I think it's interesting. The the you know we've talked a lot about brands jumping into the metaverse and um, you know sort of opening up uh, virtual 
environments and stores and you know Walmart jumping in there with their experiences on Roblox and and others you know playing around with different things what I like about this story though is while they're doing all this in sort of that in the digital realm at the same time they're also um, sort of mirroring this with um, a uh, a physical version of, of the same sort of capsule so they're which is also available in in, in kind of the real world so I like that. Uh, I like that they're kind of, you know, saying, "Hey, look, you know, we're we're trying to drive this, you know, engagement in the in the in the virtual world in Fortnite, but we're we're tying it back to, you know, um, the physical Ralphler and stores and and what can be done there." So I think that's super interesting. Um, I think the other thing that you know sort of um, appeals to me about this is that. Uh, or, or maybe not appeals to me, but it is is fascinating. Is that the sort of collection and the sort of inspiration for this is coming from their 1990s uh, polo sport line? Which, you know, I I I I sit there and I go, most of the research I've seen so far of people who are in Fortnite or using Roblox or engaged in metaverse interactions are you know much younger than you and I, um, for the most part. And so I'm wondering about sort of the, you know, going back in time to a 90s inspirational um, sort of usage here. But at the same time, you know, when you look at fashion today, um, I don't know if, you know, where you're at on that, but a lot of the, the current fashion is drawing from that era, right? Or even earlier, like, you know, we're back to wide bottom pants and we're back to like all these, you know, uh, things that, you know, I thought were long gone and forgotten, but uh, you know, that's that's where we're at now. So I, I think it's interesting that they're kind of taking cues from their fashion world and the current fashion trends, and then also tying it back to, you know, their history um, and success, you know, with, with these lines back in, in the 90s, and trying to bring that to a new, new audience in a digital world. So I, I really like that, um, that they're kind of taking that step. Any thoughts from you? No, I mean, I agree with your sentiments. I think that the the highlights that you mentioned, how they're reflecting it in both the digital world and the physical world is definitely a pro. And I would say, you know, I had a colleague who told me about her son who maybe is 12. He and his friends for Halloween dressed as the 92 um, Olympic dream team. So, you know, maybe the nineties are like something that these kids are into and, <laughs> and they're ready, uh, you know, but I think all the fashion trends are back, whether it's, you know, 90s 70s whatever it may be you can kind of just go your own yeah. way yeah. so I think it's cool I mean I I'm just like excited to see how this evolves over the next five years and how we're shopping in five years and you know is it through this metaverse and what does that look like um but you know it's also interesting because at the same time that we keep seeing investments we're seeing like layoffs and we're seeing companies getting rid of a lot of, of people um, that you would think would be like investing in more as this grows. But, um, you know, that's another conversation for another time. So uh, yeah. staying tuned to see like, where are you at, Aubriana? Are you still wearing skinny jeans or are you going to the wide bottom pants now? Come on. Oh, it changes every day. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's weird like to see all this stuff. And then like I was like, I was in a store recently, a men's clothing store, 
and like all the shirts and sweaters were like knit like wool like this that and I'm like wow this is like super 70s mm-hmm. and I was like okay interesting very interesting and yeah I mean you walk through Target and honestly you could go through like every decade there and find something that fits that style so yeah so maybe that's anyhow. gonna be reflected as well we'll see well, that's our show for this week. You've been listening to episode 595 of Location Weekly. We're here for you every week. We're bringing you the latest on location tech, on fashion, on you know what pants to wear, everything. Uh, this is what we do here at the LBMA and uh, on Location Weekly. So thank you, everybody, for listening and watching. Uh, tune in next week for another show. If you have story ideas, feedback, reach out to us. If you're in New York, go try out the uh, Red String Project. Let us know what you think about that. Uh, If you're in Australia, uh, order up a drone delivery by Wing uh, and DoorDash and tell us about that too. And uh, we'd love to hear about it. So thanks everybody. Have a great week and we'll see you soon. Bye.